the song saying and the words preached now and even the joint fellowship of believers that you will be encouraged to let God be your solid rock. Let Christ be your firm foundation. These words for us are not make-believe if you don't know Jesus. They are like, they are the bedrock of everything that we believe. He is our firm foundation. All of the ground is seeking sand. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our King. Uh, it is so good to be with you all today. And uh, for those of you all, again, welcome to all the guests that are with us today. Uh, what, what, what an awesome opportunity uh, and a way to just set an example for even our members, even as we travel sometimes, we forget to find like-minded churches. So thank you all for just setting an excellent example that says, hey, even though I am not around my home church and I'm going to seek and I'm going to find a place where the doors are open. And for that, your very presence makes my heart rejoice. I'm sure you all probably found good restaurants to eat at and maybe some things that were entertaining, but you have kept the main thing the main thing. So be encouraged and I pray that, pray that God will bless you uh, for you just being diligent and getting your feet under the authority of his preach word and to sing songs and hymns with his beloved saints. So again, welcome on behalf of our pastor, Nate Bishop. So again, it's so good to be with you all. Thank you, uh, Psalmist, for joining us today as well. Uh, we, are, we greatly appreciate uh, the hymns. We are so thankful for you uh, on this day. Without further ado, I will jump straight into 1 Corinthians this morning, uh, and uh, I'll be preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15 uh, this morning. Uh, of course, many of you all know this has been a part of my, my, my personal Bible study this year, and uh, yes, it's taken me since January 1 to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, so maybe by this time next year, I'll be in chapter 5. We'll have to let the Lord see. If you will please stand with me for the reading of his holy and righteous word. First Corinthians chapter three, verses 10 to 15. And the Bible reads as follows. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I, Paul is the I, laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For, we're just singing about this foundation, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, warning, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he or she will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he or she will suffer loss, though himself or herself will be saved. 
but only as through fire. May the Lord have a blessing and a reading upon his holy and righteous words. You may be seated. Not long ago, we had a friend, uh, Angela and Terry Elder, who were building a house, and last year we visited their house, and uh, so we get to the house, and uh, she had realized after the builders had gone uh, that there were some misalignments in her home. The construction workers had come in. They had laid what they thought was a firm, solid foundation. Many of the carpenters had come in and built up walls within the church, and they'd come and put in cabinets and and, and, and all the things in the bathroom, light fixtures and all those sorts of things. And, and, on, the, and on the onset, you know, you walk in, it looks like a beautiful home. Meek and I were like, man, the Lord is blessing you. And I don't, I don't mean that in a figurative way. They love the Lord. They serve him. They give their tithes. They, he is giving you all the, the desire in this home, your desire in this home. But then lo and behold, after much inspection, Ange had figured out that many of the things in the home were misaligned. She began to look and say, if you, if you look closely at this wall here, you will see that, that, that this, is, this is not aligned correctly. And if you look over there, you will see that, 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 that this portion is, is not exactly what it is supposed to be. And if you turn it, come over here. Kev, Mika, y'all come over here. I want you to look at this. If you look in this closet, this thing is not the way it was supposed to be laid out in the blueprints. And she said, for that, they're going to have to come back and fix this. They're going to they're gonna have to come back and make right all that has been made wrong, all the hard work, all the diligence, all the thoughtfulness that they thought they had put into completing this home and completing this home, in some sense, was a complete waste of time because they did not follow the plans of the foundation and of the blueprint that had been given to them. And so one by one, she had to call the workers out and they had to tear stuff down and redo everything that they had already done because what she was expecting was what she had paid for home that was right, a home that was correct. And saints, that is our lesson today. The Lord has given us a blueprint. He has given us a firm foundation on which to build his holy and his righteous word. And right now, many of us are building up things within this local body, within our own lives. And let's be, be careful. Our great King Jesus is going to come back as a great inspector. And he is going to test every single thing that we have done. And unlike in Angie's case, they had an opportunity to rebuild. The Bible gives us a warning that it is going to be burned up. And only those things that are gold, silver, and precious stones will last. So if I could title our sermon and our title for today, I would title it, Be Careful How You Build. Be careful how you build. Let me pray for us. Oh, Lord, you are good and you are righteous. You are perfect. And your word as laid out in our Sunday school lesson and even in the Bible, your word is simply breathed from you. Every word that we get is God breathed and is good for teaching and correction and rebuking. Father, so I pray that even right now, as your word goes forth, as I am trembling in my soul with great trepidation on how to articulate these truths, Father, I pray that you will pull down the veil that Satan has around many of our eyes. I pray, Father, that you would begin to soften our hearts and that transformation would happen today. Not for my good, not for the good of force, but for, but for the soul's good and for your glory. 
that you may be rightly exalted in this day, Father. Many of us don't even know who you really are. So, Father, let me display your transcendence, your immutability. Let me display your love and your grace and your mercy today, Father, in a way that is attractive even to one who came through these doors, not interested in knowing who you are. Father, would you break their hearts? And let me preach your son, Jesus Christ, crucified. Let me not be ashamed of who he is or what he has done for me. Father, as much as I need to disclose about my personal life and personal sin, let it be made known today. And as much as I need to be made known about all your goodness and your grace and your mercy, Father, let it be known today for the building up of your saints. There is one main audience, Father, and you, you, you are him. Would you be pleased in my, in some sense, a reckless display of trying to articulate your truths? Father, give me a glimpse of you. Give me more of you right now. You know me, Lord. I'm prone to say crazy things. Without your goodness, Father, I would have long made shipwreck of my life. Would you be with me through this moment right now? Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. God's people said amen. amen. We have to ask ourselves many questions, you all. One, why was the text written? Like what made Paul begin to pin this letter? I think that's always important for us to go to, especially if you haven't spent the last year working through 1 Corinthians, where Paul was writing to a group of believers to remind them that God had grace even in the midst of their foolishness. Now, how sweet is that? In this portion of the letter, he wants to remind them, even when you act wayward, even when you act like you have no sense, God gives grace. He gives grace. He gives mercy towards us. And maybe you haven't experienced his grace, and I pray that you experience it today. And then, so whom was the church? Who was this letter written? It was written to a group of believers at the church of Corinth. Like so, so, so my, the main emphasis, the main push of my message today will be to strengthen the hearts of believers. And I pray that if you don't know God, that, that, that the residue of all that is taught will fall fresh on you. And at the end of this lesson, you, at the end of our time, you're coming to, to Nate, you're coming down to the front and you're reaching out to somebody and saying, so, so tell me more about God. But I want to encourage us as believers. What did it mean in its original context? What was he saying? He was simply telling them, be careful how you build. Be careful, be very, very careful how you build because in some senses we all are preachers and proclaiming the name of God. We are all builders. Unless you think I'm promoting an unbiblical view of womanhood and manhood, I'm not saying that at all. I simply want to define what the word preach means, which means to proclaim. And if you're working in a nursing home, you're working in a nursery, or you're working at a gas station, we're all called to proclaim the word of God. Not our own words, but God's word. And we serve a triune God. We serve the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We will see in verse 10 that God gives grace. And his grace that he gives is for his good glory. We will see in verse 11 that Jesus Christ himself is the foundation. And as we make our way through verses 10 and 15, we will see it is by the power of the Spirit that we are kept. By the power of the Spirit that we are No man or woman is keeping themselves today. Period. This is just a costume. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just a costume to make myself look something presentable to you all as I stand before you and proclaim God's word today. It is God himself that is keeping me. 
We don't hear God's word in order to do nothing with it. So how would I like for you to respond to God's preached word today? Well, number one, I want you to read your Bible. Because if you don't read your Bible, then you're not handling the tool rightly that he's given you in order to build the foundation. This is the tool in which we use to build this foundation upon this foundation. It's the very tool that we need. Here's the deal. I've done a lot of work on cars, and I like playing on cars and trying to fix stuff around my house sometimes. I mess it up more. Amen, brothers. Thank you. It's, it's sometimes I think, oh, if I just had the right tool, I could do this thing. How many of y'all been there before? Man or woman. If I just had the right tool, this job would have taken 10 minutes instead of 10 hours. Me and Kiara be up in the garage trying to work on cars sometimes. Y'all be, man, gone go to AutoZone, brother. We got to bust out this 70s. We can get this thing done before tomorrow. But God has given us. It's not that we have to go searching for the very tool that we need. God has given us the tool that we need in order to build on the foundation. And that is his word. How else should we respond to this text? We should build. We should build. And we should build with care. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 10 says, according to the grace, that I stumbled over that word grace as soon as I got to it. I begin to, re to rejoice because what I understood, like Shaolin says, is, uh, he, maybe somebody way before him, is God's riches at Christ's expense. What is grace? It's this undeserved love and patience that we get. And so Paul is saying, here's what Paul understood. When you read 1 Timothy chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 3, you will see why Paul started according to God's grace. Because Paul refers to himself as an insolent, haughty, boastful opponent of God in 1 Timothy chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 3, he lays out all that he thought he was dependent upon. Being a good Pharisee, being Hebrew of Hebrew, he, he thought he was something when really he was nothing. And he realized it was by the grace of God that he got to this point and if you are being deceived by Satan or your credentials or education or your family members and you think that it's anything that got you to this point outside of the grace of God you are wrong no institution can give you credentials that will satisfy God no organization can give you a certificate to satisfy God you're wrong. God is right. Paul said, according, according to his grace, I get this unmerited, undeserved. And if you're one of those highfalutin folks that think you that everything you got you deserve, you're wrong, girl. When you English folks tell me if that's a real word or something after this sermon, because I, I think, you know, it just came out. It's not it. Paul says, according to his grace. According to the great, check, check how beautiful this is. He says, according to the grace given to me. <laughs> he says, according to the grace of God given to me. He, he gives it. He get freely. He freely gives the grace. You don't have to go run for it or chase after it. He said, come on, Damascus, roll. <laughs> I am Jesus Christ. If you don't know what the master's road is, it's how Paul came to know Jesus Christ. He's walking down the road, ready to kill and persecute Christians, and Jesus Christ himself spoke to him out of a cloud and said, hey, now you are mine. He gives grace according to, according to, according to the grace of God given to me. And it's God's grace, which means God's grace is better than our grace. See, I try to give grace to my kids. <laughs> Where's that little... Since they're in here, I try not to talk about it when they're present. But sometimes they press against grace. 
They press it. I'm like, what? What are you doing? And even my grace is wretched. <laughs> if my grace is wayward. Sometimes I do it just to save face. Sometimes I do it even, even for my own good. But God gives grace. So Paul is saying according to the grace that you've given me. All that we need God has provided. Peter gets it. According to the grace God given to me. Paul says. What do you do with this grace? That's the question now. You get grace, what do you do with it? Do we say no thank you? Do we say I don't want it? Do we say, oh yeah, thank you for the grace, but I'm still going to sit on my behind and do nothing? Do we say, oh yeah, thank you for your grace, but I'll keep going to doing the same sins I've been constantly committing? Like, is, that, is that what we do with the grace? Do, do, we, do we preach God's holy and righteous word to other people but not live it out ourselves? Is that what we do with the grace? That's what, not what Paul says. According to the grace of God given to me, he put it in action. Comma, boom. What do you do with the grace, Paul? Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. <laughs> Paul says, thanks, boo. Paul says, yeah, you, you, so you give me the grace, and now I'm going to do something with it. Like the inaction. Y'all get that. You can show action to your kids or to your coworkers. Some of y'all are overseeing employees. Like, I need you to fix something. Like, I'm keeping you here. So now do something with the grace that I've given you. I didn't destroy you in your sin, Paul. So now do something with the grace that I'm giving you. I didn't destroy you, us, me, and our foolishness. Now do something with the grace that I'm giving you. I expect a return on the investment of grace that I'm giving you. Go! So now Paul is simply saying, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. I'm laying a foundation. Paul, what do you mean? Now, these we got to backtrack a little bit. So what caused Paul to write this letter? They were, the church was off the chain, y'all. So now Paul is writing to remind them, I, I laid the foundation that you needed to be successful. I can only imagine how in Angie's case, how the contractor probably came back and said the foundation was perfect. It was the carpenters that came after the perfect foundation was made that jacked this house up. So now Paul is saying, I lay the foundation. Why are you all not building according to the blueprint that I gave you? I laid a foundation. Paul was working. Here's what's frustrating sometimes, y'all. Y'all get it. This is the frustrating part of once God has given you grace and you start doing your work, there's a comma after I laid a foundation and it says and someone else is building upon it. Lord, have mercy. And that's why the title is Be Careful How You Build. Because 151 some odd years ago, folks met in the forest out here and they began to build this church forest on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Right? right? That's the picture here. I planted a church in Corinth. Paul was a church planter. I planted a church there. God planted his church here, and the foundation was laid. We're going to see in a minute, which is Jesus Christ. And when the overseers look back or come back, and when Paul is now hearing about what's taking place, he's like, what are you all doing? Well, they were beginning to get distracted <laughs> by many people who claim to be master carpenters. Because what we understand about the church in Corinth is many philosophers came through the door. They came through pontificating. They came through with brilliant ideologies. They came through with brilliant concepts and ways of doing life. And Paul was like, no, 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 no. I laid the foundation 
And now somebody else is building upon it. We must be careful how we build. The two things working here, two things, two ideas working here. We see these in verse 11. One, the church. The church itself is a building. The church itself is building up God's word, his holiness and his righteousness. And then it's a personal thing that is taking place in all of our hearts. The foundation which is and which should be Jesus Christ. Two working ideas here. One, the church. One, our own bodies. Paul goes on to say, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Take each one. Electrician, when you come in my house, be careful how you finalize stuff. Because if the wires are crossed, uh, you can burn down this whole house. <laughs> so electrician, be careful how you build. Mr. Plumber, Mrs. Plumber. When you come in and you're putting in all the ductwork and all that, hey, be, be, be careful how you, how, how you do that because when I flush the toilet, I, I don't want my house to flood. So be, be, be careful how we build. So Sunday school teacher, as you build upon the house of the Lord, be careful how you articulate the truths of the gospel to our young people, women's overseers and women, men's ministries. So as you're working through, be careful how you build upon this foundation because you don't, you, you don't, want, you don't want shipwreck. Women's ministries, young people, old people, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Nate, deacons, as we are building upon the foundation, we must be very, very careful of how we build as not to make mess of the foundation. The foundation is set. The foundation is perfect. Plumb line, perfect. Let each one, there's this collective thing going on here. We see this, there's an individual thing going on in verse 11, in verse 10. I'm still in verse 10. Oh, Lord. I can hear Sister Keisha now saying, you should just preach one verse. <laughs> I don't even want to look in, they, in the Davis's direction right now. Let each one take care how, how he builds upon it. So now, so now we have to think about the individual person who is building saints. So Paul said each one. He understood in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, that God had given them every good gift they needed to build up his good church. He, he articulates that further in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that I've given you every good gift. Everything you need is there. So each individual person, each, each one of us, have to be very careful how we build upon this foundation. Now, here's the warning for the others. The others have to be very careful that we don't jack up the work of those building. Because, because here's the deal. Sometimes sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so is doing good work and then other brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so comes in and begins to make them their progress slow down. So if you've ever been on, I work construction. Uh, when I was fresh out of school, looking for a job and I work construction. Yes, I used to work construction. Cutting bricks. They said, hey, we think he kind of small. We won't let him cut bricks. So I used to measure bricks and cut bricks all day long. I used to go home red after work. My boo loved it too. <laughs> she wanted to hose me off sometimes. <laughs> Don't you come in this house. Right, right. So I understood. When I, when I was at the working construction, what I understood was that the one, that the slowness of one carpenter, one organization could slow down the whole movement of a church, of a building. 
And because the bricklayers are taking their time outside, the electricians can't get in. They can't put on the roof. We got the roof for waiting time and time. If you would just hurry up and finish the building, I could put on the roof. We could be done with this thing. And that's, and that's why he's, he's pointing at the one. Each one of us must be careful how we build because we can impede the work of the rest of the body. Trust the leadership of the church and, and, and trust the Lord to do good through us and through you all. Each one of you. That's the threat. That's the warning here. We are all builders on a foundation that the Lord has set. And we must be very, very careful. Verse 11 says this. This is beautiful. It says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. <laughs> what are you saying, Paul? Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So if you go to Matthew 16, you'll see these words. Paul and the disciples are having, in, Peter, I'm sorry, is having a, a, a discourse with Jesus. And he begins to ask the question, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. I don't know, who, who do men say that I am? Some say you're a prophet. Who, who, who? And then the Jesus Christ said, who do you say that I am? <laughs> I, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I started out there, but I really want to know who, who you think. Who, who do you say that I am? And the response was, you are, you are Christ. You are, you are the Lord. You are. And then, then Jesus Christ responds, boom. And on this rock, on this foundation, on that statement, because you understand who I am, my church will be built on that foundation. So the foundation that is being built upon that Paul is referring to here is the foundation of Jesus Christ. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. The foundation is laid already. It's done. When the foundation for Forest Baptist Church was made, nobody comes and says, hey, you know, we're going to build a new foundation now. No, you're wrong. You're here to lay the carpet. <laughs> you're not here to put down another foundation. The foundation is laid. It's done. You move in the chairs. We don't need to do foundational work. That is complete. What Paul is saying is all those philosophers, all those TV shows, all those blogs that you're reading, all those people trying to constantly speak into your life, they are trying to lay a foundation that is wrong. They're wrong. Turn the TV off. Stop clicking the buttons. You don't need to read one more thing. You don't need to scroll through one more thing. You need to read your Bible. Foundation has been laid, which is that he takes his Paul, you know, he throws these questions out that he answers. Boom, he makes a statement that he answers. I love his writing. I would tell you to start in 1 Corinthians, but I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of jelly. I'm kind of just geared towards 1 Corinthians right now. But starting in Genesis and pick up a Bible reading plan. We have several little copies outside on the thing out in the, uh, what do you call that area? Vestibule. There you go. Thank you. Pick up one out there and just start on whatever day tomorrow is. And then next year started January 1. Just don't, oh, I got to go back and read. No, you don't. Just start there. Just, the point is just to read it. <laughs> just pick it up and read it. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. Why? The foundation has already been laid. Why? Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And we believe that. And when the earth was form, void and formless, Jesus Christ, everything was made that has been made is made through him. We see that in John. 
You see that in John chapter one, everything that has been made has been made through him. He is the foundation. He is the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? <laughs> Who is Jesus? I want to tell you, just in case you may have heard something that was wrong about him. This is dear not a complete introduction of who he is, but I will tell you what I do know about him in the next 45 or 50 seconds. He is the immortal. He is the visible image of the invisible God. <laughs> Philip, Philip, what do you mean? What do you mean? Philip's like, Jesus, hey, show me God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Now say it. How have you been with me so long that you don't know that? There was a conversation he had with one of his disciples. He is king. He is the king of kings. What's hard to get in our context is even what a king is. If you travel to South Africa or Asia, you'll see kings. And he is the king of kings. And every nation, tribe, and tongue will bow at his feet, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. He was before there was anything else. And everything that has been made was made through him. He is the vine. <laughs> and the vine dresser. He is the man from which living waters flow from his soul. Come here, drink of this, you'll never thirst again. If you're thirsty today, if your soul is waxed and weighed today, and you need to be filled up, read your Bible. You may say, can it be that simple? Yes, it is that simple. <laughs> You've been looking for quick fixes in all these other areas. I do understand that there are some psycho and, and, and social emotional things that we go through, but read your Bible. Let it be the cornerstone of all that you do in your life. He is the Prince of Peace. So when total chaos is ensuing on your life, we rest in him. <laughs> yes, he is the Prince of Peace. The Bible tells us that he is the lion and the lamb. Maybe that's hard for you to understand. Maybe, maybe, maybe let, me, let me try to lay it out right quick. He is the lamb who gave himself up because God, the father, requires a sacrifice for every sin that we have committed. And blood must be shed from something that is perfect and that is blameless in order to satisfy the wrath of a holy and righteous God. In other words, we didn't kind of angered God with our sin and our mess. He's the lamb that lays down his life perfect, spotless, and at the same time, he is a lion. He is a roaring king who will devour everything that has been seeking to devour us. He is the one who forgives sins. That, that, that's a snapshot of the foundation that we're building on. This is a snapshot of the foundation that we, if I, if I told you everything that was in the Bible, I just, we'd be here for the rest of the day. And John said, there's so many things that he's denied. There's no books that can contain all that he has done. Verse 11 says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. Therefore, we should be careful how we build because we are building on a king. Bible goes on to say in verse 12, now, 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 now the word now is to draw particular attention to what is about to be said. Verily, 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 Jesus Christ will say, so now Paul says, now, assuming that we're going to listen now, he says now in verse 12, if anyone builds on the foundation, if, and here's the, here's the difference now between a believer and an unbeliever. Right? So later on, he's going to talk about stuff that's going to be burned up and consumed. Like that, he's talking to the believer. So if you're building right now, even if you're building and it's jacked up, at least you're building. 
Now he says, now here, now, if anyone builds, so if you're a building, you, 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 you can call yourself his. We have some people who are not building at all, and we call them unbelievers. They couldn't care less about the local church. They couldn't care less about God's ministry. They couldn't care less about righteousness and peace and justice for all people, for widows and orphans. They don't care. So now if, Paul says, if anyone builds on the foundation with, and now he's going to lay out three precious stones and metals and three things that are worth nothing, just opposing them to one another, with gold, with silver, with precious stones. Those are the three things that we want to be building with, or they're going to build with wood, hay, or straw. Here's, well, here's the deal, y'all. You know, this, this is simple enough for us to read. If I, if I offered you, if, if I say, hey, what do you want, gold or wood, what are y'all going to say? I won't go. Cool, we got that. If I offer you silver or hay, what you going to say you want? Okay, we just, I, oh, Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to, hey, hey, you should want silver. Hopefully by the time we're done with this, you want silver. All right. And then if I offered you precious stones or straw, what would you say you wanted? You say, give me the straw. So why, how, how would we, if somebody were going to offer us one or the other, we know what it is we want. We ought to give it to the Lord as he's given to us. The Bible says these six substances, and we know this. You can have a fire and it can burn your whole house down. You can go in and you go watch if it's real. Now, both of them little stores I used to get my gold from when I was a teenager. JB, no. <laughs> One used to leave the green stuff on your neck. Oh. Don't, don't make me survey how many of y'all wore fake gold. House burns down. You can go in and find your authentic 24-karat gold bracelet still laying there. It may be dusty. It may be ashy, but it will still be there. You pick it up. You clean it off. You put it back on, and you walk out. All the paper is gone, the couch is gone, leather's gone, all those things are gone, silver will still remain the same, and precious stones will still be there. You had a real diamond, a diamond is going to make it through that fire. It's going to make it through that fire. That stainless steel kitchen stove ain't going to make it, though. Some of y'all got that stainless steel, huh? <laughs> the refrigerator ain't going to make it. And so that, go, that, that leads Paul to his next point, verse 13. So now hopefully I've laid the case now that we ought to be careful how we build application point one number is to read your Bible. You got to read so that you know how to build. You know what it is to build. Application point number two is be careful how to build. Now, here's what we ought to be careful. Here's the threat and the warning in this passage because now verse 13 tells us each one's work will become manifest. Each one's work will become manifest. So there's this collective church and then the individual work that we all do. Here's the deal, saints. Here's the threat and the warning. Right now, you could be building a whole bunch of stuff within this local body that is not going to withstand the fire. You could be doing a whole lot of stuff in the community or for whatever it is, organization or institution you're trying to work for, and it may not withstand the fire. It may not withstand the fire. Like This has been sobering for me to think through every single thing that I do, every step that I take, every decision that I make, Lord, will this decision make it through the fire? Each one's work. So here's a warning as well, too. You ain't going to be able to ride brother so-and-so's coattail into heaven. <laughs> At this point, you will no longer be able to hide behind the fact that somebody else really did all the work. 
There's nothing more frustrating than going to see. Some people think it's, 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 it's flattery to say, oh, yeah, they really did all the work when they really did. That's cool. And you really did nothing, but then you get some of the credit for it. This will not happen when we meet King Jesus. He will know. It will be made manifest. It will be disclosed before him and before you all that you have said, all that you have done as you work unto his glory. So keep pretending and playing and hiding behind ministry leaders as if you're doing something and you will have nothing in the end times. Like that's the threat. That's the warning. Keep pretending like you're actually working and you're not. That's the threat. That's the warning. You should be building. Get out of folks' way if you really ain't going to build and just sit on the sidelines. The threat and the warning is one day everything that we have done will be made known to King Jesus. And you cannot and you will not hide behind somebody else. And we may manifest. So what if you served in the ministry for 70 years and did nothing? You may be able to put on a show in front of us, but not in front of King Jesus. So what if you've been pastor of a church for 35 years? You won't be able to put on a show in front of King Jesus. Because our work, the real work, the Bible says we may manifest for the day. If you're reading your Bible, if it's closed right now, that word D-A-Y is capitalized. That's a proper noun there. What day? The day that Jesus Christ comes back to joy to judge us, the righteous, the dead. He comes back on his horse. He's swinging his sword. The saints are rejoicing, and you might be running. <laughs> he's coming. And what's frightening is he's coming like a thief in the middle of the night. He could come back before this sermon is over. And we, begin to, and we have to disclose our work to him. It says that day will disclose it. There is nothing that can be hidden. There is nothing hidden from God. Each one's work will become manifest. Hey, we just got to stop pretending. The day will disclose it. The end of verse 13 says, second half of because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test the sort of work each one has done. So let's just survey for about 30 seconds in your own mental brain. Like for real. Is the work that you're doing for yourself or for God? Like why are you doing what it is? Why are you involved in whatever work you're involved in? Is it for yourself or is it for God? Who is it for? I'm not going to be judging you at the end time. Nate's not going to be. Jimmy's not going to be. No, no, no leader in this church. No deacon's going to be. Nobody's going to, no, we're not judging you at the end times. Now, we do have a right to judge you now. We, we're looking for fruit to bear. But in the end time, God will judge all of your work. So that's why I say read your Bible, because we read our Bible, and it tells us everything that we should and that we shouldn't do. Now, the Bible is descriptive. It's not going to tell you whether or not you should put on a red shirt or a blue shirt, but it is going to tell you to dress modestly. It describes the way for the Christian to live. It's a guide. And then through Sunday school and prayer and fellowship in small groups, we get, to, we, get to, we get to make more sense of this precious jewel that he has given us called the Bible. Read your Bible. Build. Be careful how you build. Verse 14 says, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. How encouraging is that? How encouraging is that? 
that God has given the grace. He's given the ability. He's given the spiritual gifts. He's given you. He's given us every single thing that we need. He's given us the capacity to work. And all he said is just do it. I'm giving you everything. And when you do it, although I've given you everything to be successful, if you do it, I'm still going to give you a reward. How crazy is that? Like that's the goodness that we receive from God, our Father, give you everything you need and then give you a reward for doing you everything that he's given you the capacity to do. You don't breathe without him. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation of size, he will receive reward. What do those rewards look like? You got to read Revelation 20 and 21 to, to begin to think through what the reward will look like. It looks like no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more bitterness, no more envy, no, no, no more, no more getting up in the morning, having to having having to deal with arthritis, no more stress at work, no more frustration, no more coordinating, no more trying, no more no, none of that. What does the reward look like? It is him and his glory and we get to be with Jesus Christ for forever. And I believe it and I hope that you too. Treasures stored up for us. Some of us acting like we don't want to build with what he has given us. We need to read our Bibles. We ought to build and we ought to be careful how we build. The Bible says in verse 15, I'm trying to hear it because I don't have a clue what time I started. If anyone works, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So, yeah, you're working. You're working, you're working, you're working, you're working, you're working, you're working, you're working. But in the end, the Bible says you're going to suffer loss because he, it ain't worth nothing. Saints, here's how we have to be aligned with God's word. Nothing more frustrating than doing a whole bunch of work and then figuring out it ain't worth nothing. Some of y'all have been there before. Like, I done did all this and it ain't worth nothing. I did all that and it ain't it's literally the hamster on the little spinny wheel. Running, 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 running. You ain't gone nowhere. He like, I've been running all day. Yeah, but you ain't been doing nothing. Yeah, you've been running. I've been running around the church all my life, but you ain't been doing nothing. Stop running, read your Bible, and figure out what the Lord wants you. Bible says, though he himself or herself will be saved, but only as through the fire. So Paul is not questioning this, 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 this verse here for those of us who are saved is not questioning the salvation. It's not, it's not a salvation issue here. It's a how much are you working towards the Lord issue here? Because you could do frivolous work and still be saved and get no reward when you get to heaven. Now, that, that's not that's what I'm, what I'm pushing you towards. Lord, I want you to, I want to see us with our rewards together rejoicing, saying all that we did was for his goodness, for his glory, building up his holy and righteous kingdom. Here's the warning for those of you who don't know Jesus, who are not building, who are not contributing anything to the body. There's another fire set aside for you. See, one fire is to purify us so we can see all that we have done. Like that, that's one fire. This is not hellfire that Paul is talking about. 
This fire is to purify because only things that will enter into the presence and the kingdom of God are those things that are pure, those things that are worthy. If you read through the description in Revelation 20 and 21, there is no straw, there is no hay, but there is gold and silver and precious metals. And we will contain those. We will, we will possess those at a part as a part of our inheritance. Romans chapter 8 is a part of our great reward and obedience to him and mortifying the flesh. Luke 9, 23 and, and, and hating sin. Romans 7, we, we will be able to glory with God our Father and he will give us all that he has ascribed us. But for those of you who don't know Jesus, there's another fire for you. And I say this with all sincerity, with all soberness. If you do not accept Jesus Christ as the foundation, as your rock, as your personal Lord and Savior, as the shed blood for the complete satisfaction of the sins that you have committed, you're going to die and go to hell. And when this fire is finished doing its work with us as believers, it will purify us and we will stand before God singing a holy and righteous song, Revelations 4, watching them, watching casting crowns at his feet, worshiping him. And there's this catechism, this, this space that separates the, the righteous from the unrighteous and it's called hell. It's not purgatory, it's called hell where you go if you don't accept him. And that fire, my dear friends, is a tormenting of your soul forever. I want to read one final word and we're going to pray. And I pray that saints that we read our Bibles, that we check the work that it is that we're doing. Lord, how am I really working for you? Maybe it means you telling the ministry leader or a pastor, hey, I need to pull back for a fourth season. Like, that's Okay. I'm not sure what I'm doing is of the Lord. I need to pull back. Hey, that's this well received. I need to put some more time in it. That, that'll be well received. Read your Bible. Work and be careful as you work. If you read Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see a list of all the spiritual gifts that God has given us that Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7. You'll see them. If you're wondering, how do I work? How do I build upon the foundation? God has given you a spiritual gift to help build on this foundation. Hear the word of the Lord. Do you not know? This is verse 16 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. He possesses us. Check this out. You think you don't owe building on his foundation. You're wrong. You belong to him. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. Let me pray for us. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. I pray that the words of my mouth 
the meditation of my heart, the meditation of our hearts have been acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, would you break hearts now that don't know you? Would you call people right now who love their sin more than you? Would you call them to their self, oh Father? Would you put in each of us who have been working a renewed strength, a renewed freshness to do work for your kingdom? Whether we're planting or watering, Father, we wait on you to give the increase. We wait on, on you to build, Father. Would you give us the strength to build? And Father, we know that one day each man and woman's work will be made manifest in front of you, Father. May all of us in this local body present to you gold and silver and precious stones. This in our prayers we ask in your son Christ Jesus' name. And the church said amen.